Welcome to the Possibility Podcast with me, your host, Sarah Knight. In this podcast, I explore what it means to be alive on the earth today amidst our climate crisis. And for me, that means getting very curious about all of this possibility that we carry around inside us. What if we could harness this and put it towards finding balance again and creating a better, more sustainable future? Today, I am delighted to be speaking with Davy Phillip from my other homeland of Ireland. Uh, Davy is a leader in the sustainability uh, sector and transition movement in Ireland. Uh, he has so much experience, 20 years of experience, uh, working for a variety of different organizations in different ways. But today I'm talking to him uh, really because of the hat that he wears and his involvement in Clock Jordan Eco Village. Uh, uh, the village is located in County Tipperary in Ireland. It's celebrating a big anniversary, uh, 20 years, I think, since that seed started to uh, be nourished and, and started to take root. Um, and the village is something that has been on my mind for at least 15 years, I guess, when I started hearing about it in Ireland and kind of wondered, hmm, what would it be like to live there? And I wonder if I could get myself there somehow. So this conversation, in a way, is a long time in the making for me. So thank you so much for joining me, Davey. You're very welcome, Sarah. Glad to be here. For uh, people that haven't heard of Clock Jordan Eco Village, can you just tell me a little bit about what it is and, and where is it? What happens there? Well, Clock Jordan Eco Village is actually an eco neighborhood of a lovely thriving village called Clock Jordan in rural Ireland, probably about halfway between Dublin and Limerick. And the eco neighborhood is an experiment or bringing together different ideas and approaches to build sustainable community. So we started in 99, we bought the land in Clock Jordan in 2003, we built the first houses in 2009, 10, and where we're at now, 55 houses built and lots of activity. Really at the essence of it is trying to show how we can have a place-based community-led approach to providing their needs in a sort of regional uh, local economy. So it's, um, it's not trying to stay fringe or marginal, it's trying to accelerate and mainstream the, these ideas and concepts, normalize them and accelerate their uh, uptake. Beautiful. So when you say normalize the concepts, you mean the concept that people can sustain themselves within community and and be responsible for generating some of their own resources and help take care of each other, as opposed to, I guess, the way that we live now is very much in isolation and very much dependent on external resources. Are those the, the, the concepts that you're talking about? Yeah, I think uh, ultimately we're talking about ecological design or, you know, sustainability in a in a a way how do we sustain ourselves that has a minimum impact on the planet that builds healthy neighborhoods and societies and we can have a good means of exchange and allocation of resources you know so that's in the essence what sustainability is that we sort of make sure we're aware of other considerations not just the bottom line and that we're really looking at how we take care of ourselves at the scale of neighborhood, of community, at village. You know, I think that's a really healthy scale to work at to respond to global challenges of 
climate change or biodiversity loss, we can work at this smaller scale of village into a regional economy. Uh, that's really helpful because I was going to ask you about the, you know, the, the overall vision for the village, which is certainly a lot more than just a, a low carbon footprint. Um, and so I really like the way that you've just described it there. Sustainability is about so much more than just, you know, reducing how, what we take from the earth and how we take it. It's about how we live together and support each other. Yeah. Beautiful. It's about the health of our relationships. It's about our health, the health of our relationships and community and then ultimately the health of the living world we depend on. You know, that we're restoring and um, building ecosystems and regenerating communities uh, through doing it. You know, so we don't have all the answers, but we know that this scale, you know, in this time in the world, you know, it does make sense to try to work out or bring together a lot of this, a lot of these approaches have been developed for so long, you know, decades of permaculture or ecological design are so many approaches that when you bring together in a living community and show how any community can do this for a better quality of life and be more resilient and ethical in this world, you know, I don't know. It just makes sense at that scale, the village scale. Yes. And I, I love the way that you put it because it's certainly I share that mindset that, you know, the, the, the symptoms that we are seeing in the world, in the environment and this climate crisis that we're approaching starts off with our own crisis about how we live in relationship to ourselves and to each other and to the earth. And, you know, so that you're starting from that foundation. Well, what is our this is about our our health how do we live in a healthful way together and in a healthful way in connection with the land? So can you talk me through, you mentioned a few things there. I mean, you talked about, you talked about permaculture. What are some of the bigger um, uh, pieces that you said have been, you know, decades in the making that the Eco Village is trying to incorporate in its practices? Well, I think permaculture is what a lot of Eco Villages are based on. And permaculture is uh, ecological design methodology or set of tools to build sustainable community or restore ecosystems or to design a farm that has the productivity and viability that it needs. So the, the, the essence of permaculture is a whole systems approach to design. How do we see things in relationship rather than reduce to the parts and just place randomly? How do we see what the needs of each element in a system is how they could be met and design it in a way that there's reciprocal arrangements into securing our food or energy, you know. So it's, it's seeing, uh, it's, it, a lot of times permaculture is mistaken for gardening or agriculture, and it did start as a permanent agriculture, looking at the impacts of an oil shock in the 70s, how you would design your agricultural systems to sustain into the long term, permanent agriculture. It's a terrible name, permanent, because we're not aiming for permanency. We're aiming for resiliency and now an ability to regenerate systems. We're not trying to be sustainable or permanent. We have to go further than that into, yes, let's, how do we restore then our sense of place, our sense of community, our ability to feed ourselves, our ability to build shelter and have a healthy living that is locally rooted but globally connected. This is a, the opportunity we have of these times with digitization. Uh, we could really have globally connected local rootedness everywhere. 
I don't think that I realized that permaculture was um, embraced so much and so many different important concepts. So what does that what does that look like in practice? What are the systems that are in place in your village? Well, just to go back a little into the story of the specific Club Jordan Eco Village. So in 1999, we had the idea launched an educational charity, a not-for-profit, to drive that idea, a very ambitious idea at the time. We'll, we'll build a village, you know, and it'll show all these things, and it'll be a place people come to learn and go back to their own communities and apply some of these things, you know. So a big, ambitious project at the end of the 90s. We then, after we'd built a membership, looked for land and saw lots of sites. By that time, we're thinking of change to we need to be joining an existing village, not being separate and removed and on the margins, doing some interesting work, but right there in, in a village that's showing the best of rural Ireland, but definitely when we arrived, needed more population to keep its services viable, its shops, its pubs, its train station, its fire station, its schools, you know. So having an influx of people has been really positive, and together then, you know, the, 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 the project is so complex now because so many initiatives have um, developed out of the initial uh, thrust of this. And so right now we're, we're, um, we, we, we're currently got 55 houses up and about 130 people living in the Eco Village, probably another 200 people active now living in Clock Jordan or Clock Jordan people that are members of the community farm or work in the co-working space. So seeing how we better connect as a permaculture principle is integrate, don't segregate. So we currently, with our way of thinking, we separate everything into different boxes uh, with different functions and we silo our departments and universities and businesses, you know, where we actually need to be seeing how to connect. And when we're designing a neighborhood, we can design for connections. You design a plaza in the middle of the, like a market square where people gather and it builds social capital, you know, bends in a, in a pathway where there's a seat where people will stop and have a chat with each other. So you're building the enabling uh, capacity of um, a community to, to, to flourish by thinking how things connect. You know, so we, when we got the land then, brought a permaculture designer and we did a big permaculture design course, like 20 of us, to look at how observing our land how we might design it to maximize the yield, not just the produce, but the yield of social capital or community. How would you design that? So we spent a, a long process um, looking at the design of our actual neighborhood, but at the same time, we did a community consultation process to introduce these ideas to the wider community. Really good, really slow. So we slowed things down by using permaculture, which is important. We observed not only the community and started to interact, we observed the land for like a year working out where would it be best to put a constructed wetland? Where would it be best to put the houses? How would we, you know, have synergy between neighborhoods in the, in the, in the estate? So we use permaculture a lot and it's a, just a design tool to build healthier uh, systems, whether they're social systems, agricultural systems, you know, that meet our needs. Perfect for this time, I think. Absolutely. And so what you've just presented me with is a little bit of a, of, of a vision of maybe, again, what it, kind of, what it kind of looks like, which is really helpful, and the amount of intention and careful thought 
that went into it. And I mean, as you just said there, which is really beautiful, you kind of you slowed things down to 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 make sure that you were involving the people that needed to be in, to be involved and that you were really listening, took a year to listen to the land and where should these elements be placed. And so it sounds like there's an area you have. You mentioned a wetland, a constructed wetland. I know you've got a woodland, you have farmland. Well, it's actually interesting that we're, we're still working on putting a constructed wetland in. OK, we're working through planning now. But currently we've got, we planted 17,500 trees into a community neighborhood, which has little clearings for meditation, little labyrinths for slow walking, uh, pieces, spaces for seats and, and that thing. We've got a large community supported agriculture project, which is the heart, I think, of a sustainable community, how we feed ourselves. Now, it's not trying to feed the whole community with all their food, but 90 people subscribe up front for their vegetables that get delivered into a distribution point in the main street twice a week. One third of the members are eco-villagers, two thirds are from the local wider area, but 12 acres of the eco-village is the community supported farm or the community supported agriculture project. And then we've got a large, where I work, a large enterprise center, which has um, space for facilitation. Most of my work facilitation now are bringing groups together. It's got a classroom co-working space and a digital fabrication lab, which is interesting, embracing new technologies like 3D printing and computer-controlled machines to look at how even that could help rural communities, you know, repopulate or um, be more viable because they're connected again globally. With the fab labs, the promise is that you can share ideas and blueprints and plans rather than the goods around the planet and then locally, we manufacture them in these fab labs with these computer-controlled tools. It sounds like uh, the future, but uh, I mean, this is happening now where we can download plans for beehives, for composters, you know, with farm hack, and farmers are sharing ideas and sharing them around open source. You take them into your fab lab, you make something that you attach to your plow, you know, and you farm differently. So there, there's so many opportunities for uh, embedding this new technology into uh, healthy, sustainable communities. Wow, incredible. And so for, there's a whole bunch of questions that I want to ask you from there. So the first one is, you. I mean, you started talking a little bit about the context of, of your eco-village in the larger community. So, I mean, very interesting that even just in your, in your CSA, um, in your farming scheme, one third of the people that sign up to it are from your, the eco-village, and the two thirds are the residents from the, from the area, from the rural community. The, that's something that's up for kind of hot debate at the moment, I guess, and something that has been suggested that individuals can really do to work on their carbon footprint. I mean, certainly you don't supply the whole community with their food needs, but does it have a, an impact on, on, on people individually and their sustainable contribution, how much you are producing um, with your farm? Yeah, it's a good question because, again, it's how we look at it. So we're securing into the long term um, because we're paying for two farmers and lots of interns work on the farm. It's a very small farm and 10 people work on it every day. It's an amazing thing to see. Uh, so it benefits the subscribers. If the weather is stable, you've got a guaranteed um, supply of vegetables. But we also, the farm works with other local producers. Like we have an amazing baker in the, in the, in the eco village making sourdough bread, much healthier bread. Um, in a wood-fired oven 
and he makes about 400 loaves. He's trying to show how a business like a bakery could be viable just at the village scale, rather than if he went for assistance and getting grants from the government, he would have to show scaling up and exporting. You know, they're, they're not thinking, well, if you could supply a service across your village and, a, you know, so he's really trying to, to break that trend of everything is for export, everything's for import. How do we actually sustain ourselves? So he, Joe the baker, Joe and his wife Julie run the bakery and it's right next to their house. It's lovely. Um, they also have a bread club. It's like a CSA. I subscribe directly to the baker uh, into his bank account and I get two loaves delivered of beautiful sourdough bread at discount. Now, before that's supporting, that's a community supporting the baker. Before he starts baking, he knows he's sold, I don't know, 100 loaves. He's got that guaranteed cash flow. So he's benefiting. The local economy is benefiting from the farm and other local uh, producers offering uh, more localized food and more people aware. It's not just organic or more plant-based food we need to be going to. It's more local. And can we support our local farmers and food producers in a different way that gives them good incomes. And then, of course, our health. This is We're talking food meters, not food miles in for most of this. This is coming from 100 meters from this direction and 50 meters from this direction. So there's something there in the reduction of impact, emissions-wise, but also waste. You know, we don't weigh everything into little boxes or bags. They just come in crates to the distribution and people take what they need. So there's very little waste. And then, of course, connecting the community to the farm, the mental health benefits of interacting with other people on something of purpose or meaning like a farm and our own food supply, but also going to the farm, planting trees, putting their hands in the soil, showing their kids you know, how to plant a seed or how to harvest something. So there's so many multiple benefits of being in a CSA, and it's sort of the heart of community, a community-supported approach meeting our needs of food rather than the very vulnerable situation we have now with huge supply chains for everything and so if it snows or there's a pandemic or there's an economic shock and those supply chains get cut then we're not eating there's only a just in, just in time supply chain you know we're not thinking resilience around food security you know so Again, it's a, a good investment, I think, a CSA, whatever you are. Uh, this could happen in cities. You know, a, a city neighborhood gets together, 60 households, and said, let's make a new relationship with that farmer on the edge of the city, you know, and we'll have a guaranteed market for him. He doesn't have to stand at the farmer's market hoping it's going to sell. He sold it. It's got a connection to the farm and nature for the family. We'll be down there, and we're supporting something good. Hey, we can even get involved with the volunteering or the education scheme, you know, so anyone could do CSA, Community Supported Agriculture, a community-led approach. And that's what we're sort of doing at the Eco Village. I think they're showing lots of different models for a more cooperative or more community-based way of doing these things, which is actually better for us, not just better for the planet. Yeah, thank you. And I love the way that you really spelled out all those different strands. It's not just about, you know, reducing your carbon footprint, all the other gains that are that are there about supporting and, and working and gaining accessing resources in this way with a more community structured approach. And Each I, of I, those levels is a change in relationship, isn't it? It's a change in relationship to 
our land. It's a change in relationship to our neighbors. It's a change in relationship to our food. Yes. You know, so it's, again, it's just connecting, uh, joining the dots and sort of, you know, living in a way that the carrying capacity of this planet could sustain if we all lived like this, you know, that yeah. we don't all have to uh, live like this, but I think we all can live elements of it through things like CSAs or co-housing, a different approach to housing that you could be, you could go through all the same benefits again. Again, a community-led approach rather than an individual approach uh, could actually help us live in a way that we still have the autonomy and privacy of our own little homes, but we're connected in a neighborhood where we share more resources. Yes. You know, instead of being washing machines, we've got little laundry where I meet my neighbors and say hello where we're doing our laundry. Or you know, instead of all having guest bedrooms, we've got three guest bedrooms that we, hey, we rent out to friends if no family's coming from our, from our neighborhood. You know, yeah. we could have a carpool rather than 15 or probably 30 cars, two-car households. You could have a carpool, everyone's a part of. So again, it's a, it's a change in the relationship with the way that we are thinking about housing, neighbors, neighborhoods. I love what you said. It doesn't have to be all or nothing either. You know, in Kingston, there's there's so many organic farmers, actually, and there's so many different CSA um, schemes that I could sign up for, that we do sign up for, whether you want your box a week or every other week or, and like you said, carpooling is another way. So it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be all or nothing. These stories aren't common. We don't hear, like I will sometimes speak to a community group about these community Led a, they're all that it was great. Never heard of any of them. Hadn't heard of CSAs, co-housing, carpooling. You know the many different ways that we could come together as cooperatives to provide our energy and everything. So again, even although Ireland and many parts of the world had a rich tradition in cooperatives, I think Ireland we have held on to see cooperatives as the agricultural mart or the creamery for farmers to come together and share resources or for communities to come together and look at a community energy co-op, you know, where we could actually be owners of the generation, not just the consumers of the energy. So again, yeah, energy, we could do the same, a community supported approach to energy would bring added value to the community, not just energy security, but actual wealth in a way, you know, with a feed in tariff and money coming in for generating Absolutely. I, I, I really want to ask you more about, about those different initiatives and about what is going, you know, ab about energy supply and generation and, you know, the kind of the practical things and how that's actually happening in Clock Jordan, Nico Village. But I also am very interested to ask you because it's so neat to see the way your brain is working and how connected it feels like you feel, not just within, again, within your community um, and within the larger township, but also globally. I mean, before we started recording, you talked about how connected you are to the, or tr are trying to be, or working to be with the other um, uh, eco-villages around the world. Well, I think the point is that we, we need to, in the context of where we are today, root in, get a sense of place, build unity, you know, start to um, have the relationships that we're able to do food in a different way and energy in a different way. If we had food, housing and energy sorted locally uh, and good internet, we could probably have a fantastic quality of life, you know, and it's about a, a good life and uh, an engaged a meaningful a purpose, 
uh, making sense of the world right now. So I think these sort of initiatives, which we're trying to prototype in Arika Village, uh, a lot of them being developed by many people all over the world. You know, it's like a, a new commons movement of a different collaborative way to meet our needs that actually isn't you. It's, we had that. We've, we had a sense of commoning and contributing and participating. And, and now we don't. We're fragmented. We're atomized. We're all in our own little boxes. You know, so how do we reweave that together? Well, in the ecosystem of eco-villages, transition towns, uh, you know, and permaculture projects across Europe, we're trying to put this met, we are putting, we've got a meta network of those national or European networks that are in a similar ecosystem. They're place-based, they're about the land, it's a systems of looking at it. They're regenerative, they're really an example of a regenerative culture. And, and we really need for that regenerative culture to be seen right now, in the, especially in the wake up of the last year of climate change, Oh, what's going to happen? What will I do? I've no idea. You know, there's a lot of work being done that is quite quickly uh, applicable to your neighborhood or your community uh, that you could almost get off the shelf. You know, so how do we make these ideas more visible at a global level? We're doing this in Europe through this Ecolease, which is just a meta network of community-led initiatives for climate action and sustainability. But every community energy co-op or co-housing or eco-village, we're trying to um, have more cohesion between them so there's more impact and more reach or more policy change that will benefit that approach, a community-led approach in our local areas. So it's a, it's a trans-local. We can work locally and now with the, these tools, we can work globally. And so we can have a relocalization that's not unhealthy. It's not like turning our back. It's in solidarity with others with everyone everywhere, because we can still keep those connections at that level uh, going. We can still share ideas, blueprints, you know, knowledge. Yes, it really is the perfect time for this because of the access that we have to all of this information. It's really incredible. I have some friends that are um, quite deeply involved in the the big co-housing project that's, um, I think, kind of been in the works for a few years now in Wicklow. And so I had a chance to sort of chat to them about where they're at and what they're, you know, what the challenges that they're coming up against. And they've spent a few years now really working on their community and dividing up into these subgroups and everybody's addressing different areas and and of course a huge area that I think Clock Jordan is really um, uh, supporting and paving the way for in Ireland for other projects is the policy you know the legislative aspects of it and the planning permission and you know a lot of the kind of practical uh, sort of things and so how is that? I mean, it's, it's yes, that you are tapped into these other, this, this European network, but I would imagine each state has a, a different, you know, governance kind of and different rules and different legislation. And so is it really um, reasonable to think that we could take the blueprint from another country and then find that we've got very different um, policies in place in the country that we live in? Or do things actually um, cross over easily enough? I think there's patterns that cross over and that we're collecting patterns that can be applied in different contexts in different ways to meet the same needs. Providing food, supporting local food producers, CSA, buyers clubs, food co-ops, and digital hubs, 
for food. These are all meeting that need, but we need access to the idea or the tool. You know, so I think there's a lot of potential for the stories of this, more of it to be heard for more take up. And, and we will have to work nationally, of course, but with Europe, we've got an opportunity. A lot of our policies are set or at least guided at the European level. But there is safer co-housing. There's a group of co-housing people, including Common Ground that you mentioned, coming together to look at the, what would the policy changes you'd need in Ireland. You're planning tick boxes, models of finance that you'd need to enable more community land trusts and co-housing. So I think that's, a, that's just starting. That's a, a piece of research that will end up with suggested policy change for this movement of co-housing. And I, I think co-housing will be more replicable than eco-villages. Eco-villages are just fully featured co-housing uh, and we can you know, add in what benefits whatever the co-housing is. You know, there's different ingredients we could put in there. Okay, so can you now tell me what is the difference, you know, between a co-housing initiative and an eco-village? What's the difference? Well, you could have an eco-village and I've visited many that are made up of units that are co-housing units. So co-housing is where we share our housing and there's different ways to do that, different levels. I mean, uh, a big group of people sharing uh, one big apartment with one kitchen is sort of co-housing. But the modern way of co-housing is private units even with a, even their own kitchenette, a smaller unit that has maybe a common house with a, a large kitchen and a dining room. Many co-housing will eat every three or four nights a week or every night a week or just one night a week. You know, so um, there's that element of intentional community and shared resources and assets, so a laundry rather than 15 washing machines. And you're, you've got shared assets as well as your own privacy. It's getting the best of both worlds. And so what are in, in, in Clock Jordan, in your village, what are the shared assets there? Well, we're in the process of developing co-housing for Clock Jordan Eco Village. Clock Jordan Eco Village in its current uh, phase or where it's got to is 55 privately owned houses. Some of them are terraces and some is even an apartment block, but they're individually owned where co-housing can be a mix of privately owned and commonly owned. Now we need... Uh, new approaches in the uh, uh, legal system or to, to understand that commonly owned is, is quite healthy. You don't have to burden an individual or an individual family with the debt. That debt can be spread over the cooperative and that we're showing by guaranteeing a rent every month that we can service that debt. So there should be new financial instruments that would allow it, new tick boxes on the planning application that would allow it, uh, new ways of building that could make this quick and rapid. But the biggest problem, I think, is a cultural barrier. We are now so individualized that people can't even imagine the neighborhood. Now, you can imagine it because Airsong, it's like Airsong with everyone with their own houses and the common kitchen. You know, so I think we, in, in some ways our challenge is that we can't see these stories or different ways of doing things. And if people did and could see them doing it, what a different life or a different proposition for a future worth living, isn't it? I think yeah. it's a much more, what's on offer for young people today, the future mapped out ahead of them, it's such a terrible proposition. 
I don't know. I think I think this community approach, there's something in it, and it needs more people doing it. Right. We're in the stage of now having a new building phase with co-housing and maybe sheltered housing for elderly or so different ways of having different tenure, not just private ownership or rent, which is our current model in the eco-village and in our society in Ireland. That's the two ways you get a house. Massive mortgage, literally meaning the grip of death. Mort, death, grip, age. You know, death grip. Do I want that? No. And rent in this climate with unsecured tenure and huge prices in the cities, that's your two options for securing something so important as your home. And if we thought of our home as neighborhood, where you could add energy and food and other aspects to it, co-working or different spaces to create an income and livelihood, that's a different proposition. Completely. And it's so interesting what you say, because I think the um, the places where we also, you know, kind of clamp down and you use this for people that can't can't see you and you're, you know, talking about a lot of what young people face, you know, as they move forward into the future, this idea that they're stuck to this very fixed path about the way the life is supposed to life is supposed to look for them. And you kind of put a chokehold around your own neck. I think that is absolutely the way that it feels. But at the same time, those, you know, what we have bred into our society is the idea that um but we need to be we need to be free to do what we want to do we need to have our own patch of land and our own stuff and we need to have ownership you know and that the idea of shared resources and having to negotiate with other people about the way things look is something that brings a lot of people almost into a state of panic, you know, wherever, wherever that comes from. And, you know, what you're talking about now, I spent, you mentioned Earth Song, the, the festival in Ireland that my, I took my son to for, I think we went for five or six years in a row. And it was a beautiful introduction, eight days camping in a field and setting up a little mini community, every keeping the campfire going. We all cooked together. We all healed together. We all supported each other. And it was a beautiful introduction to another way of living and being in community. And I think if we could have a felt experience of that, because it is very hard. You tell people something like that intellectually and people might shut down and go, no way, that is absolutely not for me. I need my space and my rights and my land and my stuff. And that's, that's freedom. And don't kind of realize that actually we're slowly (laughs) strangling ourselves to death with this very restricted idea of freedom. And so tell me in, 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 in Clock Jordan, in the eco village, you offer, I think there's a hostel there, there's tours, there's events, like there's lots of ways that people can go and have a look around and experience what life is like there a little bit or get some kind of a taste, right? Yeah, the village.ie is the website of the eco village project. But then in the eco village, there's probably about 10 other initiatives like the We Create Workspace or Cultivate Who I Work For or the Fab Lab or the Community Farm or the Research Gardens or the Community Amphitheatre or the Community um, Labyrinth, all managed by different groups of people. So it gets quite complex. It's like a little ecosystem of innovation with lots of things uh, mixed up and also, you know, very um, permeable boundaries between the traditional and the new, you know, it's everyone's involved in the farm or the amphitheater or it has, does co-working, but they live in the main street of traditional Clock Jordan. So it's a real, uh, an interesting place for, for there's lots happening. It pops, it bubbles up. It's, um, um, and yet the complexity of it drives some people mad 
and others see it as, well, this is great. I think the challenge with all these projects, co-housing, and you mentioned it earlier, is the conflict that will arise, because it's definitely no utopia here. I mean, the same if uh, whenever you have to come together with a group of people, people are difficult, we're difficult, we carry a lot of baggage into the meetings and the gathering. That There's a lot of work even in that sort of governance and uh, the way we speak to each other, the way we make decisions, the way we um, bring some cohesion to the different work activities. There's a whole area of work in that stuff. I mean, I'm interested in that stuff and it's, it's um, also, you can take a whole systems approach to it, just like the farm with the, the different entities and initiatives on the farm that are producing food there. So at the same time, it's always about that relationship and community building and, and how to enable that. Yeah. Can you actually, and this now feels like it's a great place for you to talk about how you got into this. I suppose it's an interesting story because it's a little unconventional. I grew up in a working class industrial town in Scotland that was surrounded by oil refineries and chemical plants. And I went through school with the only thing that really in my teenage years helped me was skateboarding and music, you know? And so when school finished, I ended up working in that oil refinery for four years. Still on the side, I had my skateboarding and I had my music. At 21, I left that. And that was almost the last time I've worked for anyone now, where I went to America, I got sponsors on my skateboard, I came back, I set up a clothing company, I set up a skateboard circle snowboard shop. These were all quite successful. So all through from 21 to 28, it was success and and showing that you can live in a different way, but make a livelihood. You can be much more community-minded, can be much more not the status quo or not what's expected and still be successful. But at 28, I was finished with that. I was all, we just won a big Entrepreneurs Award for the whole UK. Our little skateboard shop and clothing company in Glasgow. It's ridiculous. We were all, what are we doing here? We don't belong here. And then they give us first prize. And then there's so much attention on me. I mean, I'm making clothes where we're just drawing the design and taking it to a little factory in Glasgow and saying, make me a sample of this jacket. I'll wear it around for a couple of weeks and I'll make loads of notes and I'll give you it back and we'll get 200 made. That was the level of our business and success. And whenever we got that accolade of these young entrepreneurs for our businesses, we had to then move to the next level. You're going to have to go to Bali to get or, or, or Bangladesh to get those clothes made. You're not doing them at that scale anymore. You're going to have to get out of your little neighborhood in the West End of Glasgow and go city center with the shop and it's much bigger. You know, and I was just finished with that. I wanted something different and also didn't want to ride skateboards. I was getting paid for wearing certain shoes or going to big contests and I just didn't want to do it anymore. So anyway, I went to India to cut a long story short on the sort of ashram tour, spending a month, two months, three months in different places, got a taste of something an interdependence of oneness, whatever you want to call it, but had a, a quite profound experience of this. Then came back to Ireland with a girl I met was lost, didn't know what to do. You know, I'm washing dishes in a cafe, not knowing what to do, no idea how you apply the oneness or whatever. So I ended up getting into university, getting into cultural anthropology and philosophy. And really, in my reading list in my first year, there was books on whole system sustainability, you know, and whole systems design. And that was it. I had a new direction. This is what I'm going to do. And that's what I've been doing for 26 years. So um, or 23 years now from, from that. 
So out of the, out of the events we did in the university, the eco village, cultivate the cooperative I work for, all emerged. So we've got a sort of common ground in this coming together in the late 90s of pooling different ideas of sustainability together. Uh, and so it's a it's an interesting story. I mean, it's, and it's I didn't go to university and study um, physical geography to be into sustainability or uh, environmental science. You know, it's quite an unconventional uh, route. Yeah, I mean, I love it that what you discovered in India, this, you know, that you, what the word that you just used there was oneness and came back your heart full of that. And this whole systems approach, I guess it sounds like it allowed you a way to really practically play that out. How do I bring this, you know, this spiritual feeling that I have and this concept into this body that I live in and this very earthly world that I inhabit? That's exactly it, it. Is that still a driving factor for you? Yeah, I think a lot that the the transition that we need to make is a is a is a spiritual transition. We need to change our consciousness. We need to change the way we think and observe and sense make in the world from a reductionist way that we're taught or cultured into reducing and putting things in parts and breaking everything up, seeing everything as separate. We've got an economy designed that way, straight lines and everything separate to an ecological way of thinking, which is about relationships, connections. It's got a different set of values that underpin it. So that journey, I think, is more important now than the things we've discussed or the things that people see as a response to climate change. You know, we actually need to change our thinking. It's not that the other reductionist mechanistic worldview is wrong. It's just not complete. And we need to start designing economies and rebuilding society based on how nature works. Beautifully put. Thank you. So tell me, if for people that are listening to this, um, is it, maybe they're sparked up and they want to head to Clock Jordan Eco Village and hopefully get a get a get themselves a little home there. So you mentioned that you're starting up the co-housing initiative. Are all of the plots kind of sold off? Are they all spoken for? Are all the houses spoken for? Are you still growing? What ways are you still growing? So we've been in a four-year hiatus um, in in building because there was a planning constraint on the whole area of Clock Jordan, not just the eco-village, with a, a wastewater um, station that was at capacity. So that's why we're now accelerating putting in our own constructed wetlands to deal with that ourselves on our own land. But So we're at a stage now where hopefully we're overcoming that planning constraint and opening up for housing. Mm. So there's sites for sale, individual sites, but we're working with social housing and, and other co-housing groups to really provide different um, ways of living like um, so social and affordable or rent to buy approaches and um, that might be sheltered homes you know assisted living uh, units uh, a co-housing neighborhood like the one I'm considering or pr proposing which is um, sort of uh, looking at rapid neighborhood with modular building system types and to be able to be replicated quickly little neighborhood approach so we're looking at different ways that people come in but we're also got tours of the weekend. So people that do find themselves in Ireland uh, every Saturday and Sunday at the bookshop on the main street of Club Jordan, you can go on a tour for about an hour, an hour and a half. And there's lots of events. Uh, you can see it on the village.ie. There's lots of events for, 
from all sorts of things, convivial events around food, we have a big festival at the end of June, which I think is a bit like Earth Song and a Green Gathering. Uh, it's a more conscious, um, attracting especially new climate activists and activist families and the For Future movement. So we do that at the end of June. We have a big permaculture course, 10 days, which is a lot of international people come to that, actually. We have U.S. teachers like um, Albert Bates from Tennessee, and we do a deep dive immersive into this whole system's design. There's ma many different ways to find um, a way to visit. Amazing. I, I, I love the idea of you guys offer, you know, being that being that hub now um, and offering so much information out there as well, continuing to connect people to these ideas and to each other. And, and this is I did have a look at the website, I think, because I don't or maybe you always have this many events, but there did seem to be a lot of events on maybe because it's your 20th anniversary, or maybe you always have a lot to offer. But is there anything in particular now any shout out anything that you guys need you mentioned research projects like is there is there any initiatives anything any people that you are seeking to support you in different ways that you're trying to grow well we're always interested in hearing stories um of a community-led approach from different places in the world because a lot of the principles or patterns in each story can be replicated so if anyone is involved in uh in one of the things we've talked about or some sort of cooperative, community-led uh, way to meet your needs, then I'd be interested in hearing that story. Right now, we're really interested in uh, digital uh, game changers. So how is digitization being used in a more open source, ethical way to allow us to aggregate value uh, and not just our data to be used and us to be the product? So if anyone has examples of digital platforms that are more community-focused for community benefit or things like the fab labs or food food hubs digital platforms for food distribution I'm, I'm fascinated if we can get more of those stories and um, so we're collecting those both at um, our cultivate level but also on the equalist level where um we're trying to throughout europe show these stories and any uh, kindred networks in different places uh, you know i think there's a lot to learn from this rich ecosystem of regenerative culture that we have has been going for like four decades wow yeah it's um you know arranging to have this talk with you today and really and deciding to turn my attention towards you know looking at how myself and my family could live differently and is um is a more community approached way of living and and our future and i think the answer is absolutely yes it's just kind of when and how and so connecting into those organizations in in canada but you mentioned too so it sounds is the irish hub for these you know for these for these stories um and is it cultivate so cultivate, we're collecting with? these game changers right um, but we're sharing anything we get with uh, equalis equalis host a number of ways to illuminate these stories including a European day every September, the middle of September, where these communities do different events and there's a bigger focus put on these local events, especially if they can be replicated. So this little mm -hmm. placemaking process, hey, I saw that in Belgium, but I could see that in Brisbane, you know? So right. it's good to have um, international networks. So permaculture, eco-village and transition towns are global networks. Yeah. Uh, that have kindred networks in their localities and hubs in their localities. So it's, 
it's so it gets so complex again to try and um, how do you accelerate one thing? Well, it's a principle and a set of values of community led that we're promoting, and there's so many people doing that yeah. and showing how it can be done in different ways. Yeah, and I just want to. I'm going to put this in the show notes as well. But I'm so I'm obviously familiar with Cultivate. That's Cultivate.ie, and you meant Ecolease. I don't know what that is. What is Ecolease? So Ecolease.eu, Ecolise.eu is a meta network of these regenerative um, organizations or approaches: permaculture, okay. eco villages, uh, transition towns, uh, community energy co-ops. You know these sort of and national networks and European networks are coming together as a bigger ecosystem to have more impact on policy change, validation from universities, resources coming from uh, Europe. There's a lot of money to be spent on looking at the right approach. Let's make sure that, that these smaller uh, local place-based initiatives don't get cut off from that support. So Ecolise, I think, has got a number of ways to connect people to this regenerative culture and, rege- re- and, and connect this regenerative culture to uh, a, a, a newly awakened society of climate change. What do I do? What do I do? You know, do a permaculture course and look at where your community food co-op is in your local neighborhood. Join and find the others. Start having conversations. What more can we do? Oh, we could have a community energy co-op here. Fantastic. Let's talk about it. How do we talk about it? Oh, Oh, there's two processes to help us talk better about this. You know, none of us have all the answers, but by coming together and by sharing, we can really uh, prototype and co-create the future that is actually worth living uh, for all, not just uh, 1%. Anyway. Davey, that's a brilliant way to finish. Thank you so much. I mean, just putting all of that, this regenerative culture that you talk about within the context of climate change. You know, and how what you're doing in the eco village that I I thought might start off as a conversation about what building materials do you use and you know what is your energy supply and there is so much more to that and I mean what you've just shared there is you want to be a part of this movement we can start it with the conversations that that we're having and building community in that way let's come together and at least start talking about this stuff it's really been very enlightening for me and I think it will be too for for anyone who listens so I'm really grateful thank you for your time and for your efforts and the next time in Ireland I'm in Ireland I'm going to uh, head over to Clock Jordan. Brilliant thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening. So that conversation has gotten me very curious about fab labs permaculture and community energy generation. So watch out for those topics and upcoming podcasts and Hey, if you have any leads in those areas or others that you think might be of interest uh, to me for the possibility project, then please do pop me an email, uh, sarah at humhealing.com. Thank you and wishing you all a beautiful day.